I don't know what we're going to do with him. This is good. <laughs> Let's pray. Oh, God, what a great time of worship. Lord, we celebrate you. Lord, we're thankful for you. And God, we want to meet you. We've already interacted with you. We know your spirit is alive and dwells within us. We know you've anointed this place this morning. We know your word lives. And God, wherever we're at, hurts, pains, whatever it is, God, we just want to, to break through those things so we can interact with you deeper. So God, you can have your way with us. We want you to mold us. We want you to shape us. We want you to convict us, to guide us, help us grow so that we can experience you deeper and know you better than we, than we did just a moment ago. God, we don't want to just rest. We want to keep going with you. So speak now. We ask this in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. Please have a seat. Thank you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God is good. Amen. amen. You know, I'm looking at the series that we're doing, the seven churches. And, um, and it's just kind of crazy when we think about it, all the, the things that we are learning about how we need to step up sometimes. How we have to work a little bit harder because the Christian journey is difficult. It's hard, you know. I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. If you're new to the God, I'm sorry. You're going to be in store with some great times, some difficult times. But the entire time that you're involved with God is, is you're going to have that joy, that assurance that only He can bring, that purpose in life. But so often in our Christian walk, we get to those happy parts. You ever get into the happy place? We're like, this is great. Everything seems to be working. I love it. You know, don't mess with it. You know, you don't want to go to church sometimes because you're afraid the pastor might upset you. So you kind of love where you're sitting. You're loving that. And so much so that sometimes God presents to you an opportunity and you look at it and you go, you know, God, maybe not now because everything seems to be just where I need it. Have you ever gotten to that point? Because it's easy to get there. And once you get there, you're like, I don't really want to go further because you might disrupt something of mine. Because we kind of get happy with where we're at. I think of um, Laura and I, when we first started out in marriage, you know, we'd been married for just a short time and uh, maybe a bit less than a year. And my, my father died and we had to go back to the, the, the service and the memorial service. And after the service, it, uh, an elder of the church approached me and, and offered me a position at the church. And I was like, you're crazy because I was living life large. You know, I had, I had a beautiful wife who, who paid the rent and I could go and be a youth pastor. I mean, it was great. I mean, and we had it all. We had a mansion. It was like 800 square feet. And it was wonderful. My life was set, and, and I knew what I was doing, and, and yet he kept bothering us, and we're like, okay, is this what God wants to do? And we had, we had to leave everything that we knew, even the position. I had to left youth ministry after nine years to do something that was unheard of of a youth pastor, be an administrative pastor. That's nutso. And I had to step out and step up, but I find in those hard times, isn't that when we grow the most? Isn't that when we connect with God the most? Is when we have to be reliant on Him, when He gives us the opportunity, and we step up in our faith. But so often in our journey as Christians, we get to the happy spot, and we go, oh, no more, no more. 
And church, I want to I encourage you today because there's so much more. I want to talk to you today about it's never too late to get going. Maybe get going again. Maybe you're a student and you're going, well, do I, do I pursue God? Or do I pursue what I want? And that's a, that's a question where you have to ask yourself because, because what do you want to get out of life? What you, everybody else gets or something deeper? Or maybe you're a retired person and you think, you know, I've, I've gone pretty far and I don't want to go any further. But you're still here. We see, we forget that as long as we have breath, our purpose is not for us. It is for God. See, the world is all introverted in the sense of they are all looking at themselves like this is where I am to go. But a Christian is going, hey, what does God want of me? Let's remind ourselves while we're here. See, God wants you to enjoy him. And I think we like that part. I like to enjoy God. Ooh, yeah. Gimme, gimme, gimme. I love God. But he also wants us to live for him. Now, many of us will go, okay, I can live for him. But then the, the next step is and proclaim him. See, he wants us to proclaim him to the world. Now, that last part, that's a little difficult. Because all of this, understand, gives him glory. You enjoying him gives him glory. You living for him gives him glory. And you proclaiming him gives him glory. That's what we're to be about. At our home, we have a, 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 a paraphrased scripture in our home that's on the wall. And it, and it says very simply, what our heart is, is let people in and through your body. Now, why, why is it like that? Well, it's pretty concise. Because if I'm letting people see God in and through my body, what is that heart? and soul you know the physical your heart is the physical it's who you are because this is your only vehicle to do ministry so you want to show them the mind is the intellect so you want to know about god and then the the soul is your emotion the feeling of who you are your personality and so those three are in unison to show people god but people can't read my mind even my wife thinks she can't she can't I got her fooled right now because I'm thinking something totally opposite. Am I? Okay, maybe not. Okay. But the thing is, is we, you can't, people don't know what you're thinking, right? So, so the mental has to meet physical where you speak. Your, your emotions, you know, a lot of people have sour pusses on their face, but they don't know Jesus is in there. And so you have to change that emotion, that feeling. We have to show people who Christ is. I want to share with you out of 1 Corinthians, and in chapter 1, verse 30, it reads this. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. You see, what do we have here? In us, we have Jesus. And through Jesus, we get the wisdom. But not only that, we get righteousness. See, we aren't righteous apart from him. So Jesus and his righteousness now lives in us, and then we see sanctification and redemption. So sanctification means you are now made whole. So Jesus is in you. Jesus is now in you, and that redemption. But the reality is the, the world needs to see it world needs to see what this is and the only way to do that is through our works but is through our lives and our speech but we are much rather do the deeds we'd much rather do the things but i tell you you know what if god gives you opportunity 
to show people we have to take it. Because the opposite is true. Now think about this. If you're not exhibiting God's wisdom, God's redemption, God's sanctification, His righteousness, if you aren't exhibiting that, what are you exhibiting to the world? They might see something totally different. David Patty of Josiah Venture said this. He said, if you don't get to the gospel, people will assume it's a religion of good works. Boom. See, we are to be about good works. Ephesians 2.10, we are created for them. But the thing is, if we are only about those things, we are going to miss the boat, and so will everyone else, because they'll go, hey, they're the good person. I like them. But you've got to get to the gospel message that Jesus is the Savior, Jesus is the Creator, Jesus is the end-all, be-all, and there's no way to the Father but through Him. But they will look at it differently. The church that we're looking at today of Sardis, they were struggling with that. You see, this was a church that was all about the doing. They had the programs, they had it all, but they forgot the who and the why. Who is Jesus? Why is salvation? Why is righteousness? Why is wisdom? Why is redemption? And it's all through Jesus as we just read. And the church had forgotten that. And church that, that seemed to be doing all the things. They had all the programs, but them dead he calls them dead and that's a scary place that's a place we don't want to be so I change mics I'm going to get a cramp later so thanks brother it's not your fault stupid microphone's fault you know the joy is is we get to live for Christ. We get to arm ourselves as Christians to prepare to live for Him. And to live through, let Him live through you. But we've got to be doing something. Because if you're called to exhibit Jesus, you're called to do something different than the world. You're called to do just something different than, than what you want to do so often. I, I, like we were happy. I just remodeled the kitchen for Laura in that little house. She, it was like a five-by-five five kitchen. It was beautiful. But the reality is, is God called us away. And so we had to do something that a lot of us don't like to do. And that's step out in faith. But I'll tell you this, and if you want to write it down, understand that exhibiting Jesus requires active faith. You can't just sit and coast. You can't be a person that's just like, oh, I'm just going to get there. I'm happy where I'm at. If you've ever coasted, you know what that's like. It's like, hey, it's easy, right? I grew up in the mountains that, that, that in that place where my, uh, my dad died and where that church was. I grew up in that town, and it was very hilly, but I learned how to drive a stick shift on, that, on those roads. And so I could coast. I'd throw that car, throw that car in neutral, throw the clutch in there, and I'd coast up the hill. But you know what happened? I start coasting back. See, that's the problem with Christians is we sit a, into a point and we're playing it easy so you got to be active or you're not going to get any ground you're not going to grow you're going to actually go backwards i think of another time laura and i in our early in our marriage even before we moved out to california is we we, we went out to maine and maine is a beautiful state that one 
two-week period, and, and we missed it. But we were there, and we were driving around Maine. And a wonderful thing is back then, it's, it's, it's totally, you know, all these woods and these two-lane roads that go in everywhere, and we're driving, and we had our cell phones, but we weren't blessed like people today. Is you don't have the smartphones. You just had the, the little the dial phones, right? But you had these things. Remember the TomToms? You know, the young people are like, Tom too? It's a TomTom. It was, it was before GPS, and you had Waze and Google Maps, and you could type it in there. We didn't have that either. And so we had to go to a store and ask for directions. And we walk in, and we're getting and all the Mainers are in there because that's what they're called. And we go, hey, how do you get there, you know, in, in this place? And they go, you can't get there from here. I'm like, what? You can't get there from here. And, you, and that didn't make any sense. But it was true. You can't get to where you're going if you're just in the store. You can't get where you're going if you're just sitting on a bench. You got to get out on the road. And Christian, we are called to get out of our faith, our, our comfort zone. We are called to live for Jesus. And many of us are going, I've tried that, Tom. It doesn't work. I don't want to. I don't want to step out and actually, you know, tell Jesus and proclaim Jesus. I don't want to say to people, I'm a Christian. Because if I do, what's going to happen? I might get put into a box and, and get alienated for some friends or something like that. Or maybe I've tried it. I've done my bit. I'm enough. You know, hey, I've done it all. And I'll tell you one thing is very true. The opposite of faith is fear. Wow. See, we don't want to get persecuted. We don't want to step out in faith because it can be fearful. It's scary, and I get that. But the church, we are not to go through the motions. And that's what new life is not about. We're not here just to look good. We are here for a purpose. I want to go now to Revelations in our key passage today and, and verse 1 of chapter 3. And, and here we have Jesus addressing the church, and he says this, to the church to the angel of the church of Sardis write now understand so here's a church that was just going through the motions and Jesus is going to write them this letter and and make sure they know where they stand and this is how he says it he says he who has the seven spirits that's the holy spirit of god and the seven stars those are the seven churches say this I know your deeds and that you have a name and that you are alive, but you are dead. Now, he's saying, you're in church. You look great and the community sees you. You've got stuff going on, but you are dead. He's saying, you know what? Though you look good on the surface, I know your heart. Remember, he knows the, the seven stars. He knows what's going on in the church. And he's saying, you know what? You lack life. That's what he's saying to the church. You lack the Holy Spirit. See, understand this. This is very interesting. Sardis was a church that wasn't getting persecuted. See, the last four churches we were talking about, they all had been persecuted for their faith. Sardis was not. This was a church that was playing it safe. Let me show you how. I want to go to verse 5 now. Look at verse 5 with me. Or excuse me, am I in verse 5? Oh, yeah, verse 5. And it says, He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. 
and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Okay, now look at the latter part of that verse. I will confess his name. Now that reminds us of something that's said in Matthew, and in Matthew chapter 10, look at this at verse 32. Therefore, if everyone who confesses me before men, I also will confess him before the Father, my Father who is in heaven. So here we have a stipulation. Jesus is saying in Revelation, what he's echoing here, that, hey, if you confess my name, all right? That's what he's, he's echoing. But the problem with the church of Sardis is they were not coupling good works, actions with Jesus. They were playing it safe. They were all about the deeds. And it sounds like many of our churches today, because we don't want to make waves. We don't want to step out. That might offend somebody. Jesus is an offensive name. What he stands for, the complete gospel, his word is offensive to the world. And we see this. Let's go back to verse 4 of chapter 3. It says, but you have few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white. And they are worthy. You see what it says at the beginning? There were few Few people in the church didn't soil their garments. And what does that mean to soil their garments? They were embracing the world. They were saying, hey, world, we're in with you. Hey, you know what? We want to play it safe. We're not going to go out there and be the church. And there were few people in, but the majority of the church was not. And this happens today. See, a lot of people come to church these days, and what do they do? They come to church, and they like Sundays, and we, we treat it no different than what the non-believers do. We go play golf. We worship, and then we play golf. They play golf. They're devoted to golf on a Sunday, and that's about it, or something like that. And the reality is they are not being a church that's walking as they're called to walk, and many of us aren't either. See, action Faith, they go together. See, faith, it, does, it takes no faith to stay in the store. You've got to get out on the road. You've got to take the next step. So I'm going to ask you, what steps of faith are you taking? What are you taking? You, is God put an opportunity in front of you and you're avoiding the opportunity? Is there a step of faith going, hey, you know what? Maybe I need to give more. Maybe I need to give more time. Is there a step of an opportunity God wants you to give, do? Serving? Witnessing, Maybe it's leaving that position, that comfortableness. It's like us, as I shared. I just remodeled the house. You know, uh, it, was, it was two days before our wedding day that I completed the kitchen. She thought I was insane. And I, I go, no, I got this. I'll put the backsplash up. It was still wet when we had family over. The thing was, is I, we had a nice house, I had a nice job, she had a nice job, and we were living at large as we saw as, a newly, as newlyweds, yet God called us. So often we get into that mode going, this is all comfortable, this is nice. That is not how you're to live in the sense of, I'm not going to do what God wants me to do because it's uncomfortable. Now, I'm not saying we can't have nicer homes and that kind of thing, but it was difficult. And Laura, you know, leaving everything that she had ever known to, to live there. And it started out living with my mom, and she's still in therapy for that today. 
the thing is that sometimes it's difficult. I love her. And it's difficult that we have to take these steps forward. But that's what the Christian journey is for. Let, let me remind you of a verse I like to talk about these days, and it's out of Matthew 7. Look at verse 14. For, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, it says a gate, and it says a way. It doesn't say a waiting room. It does not say a seat. It doesn't say a store. There is a path. There is a journey. And a called, it's called a, a place that we are to go after. And so when we're coasting, when we're just going, you know what, I'm comfortable. You know, I don't want anything to go. That is not a place for anyone to live as a believer in Jesus. And so we have to go take those active steps. But doing that, you've got to be on your guard. Because I'll tell you this right away. Understand that in exhibiting Jesus requires vigilance. You've got to be so on fire for it. You've got to say, this is where I'm going. This is my direction. Because if you're not, your guard is going to be let down. As we read in Peter, it says, you know, that, that Satan roams around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. When you are coasting, when you are just happy and you go, I don't want anything to happen. You know what? That's when Satan's going to strike. When you are a person that's just not taking care of business and you're just going after it, that is the problem you're going to have. You see, church, we're called here to be ambassadors. You can look that up, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And the thing is, an ambassador is what? It's somebody who makes connections for their boss. Someone who's there to represent. And that's us. We're to make connections. We are to represent for Jesus. But there's a lot of ambassadors that, that like to, what, go to the parties and the balls, like to hang out, go to the functions, but no one knows really what you're about. That's not the Christian experience. That is not what we are called to do. Let me look now in verse 2 of Revelation 3. It says, wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. He's saying here, wake up. Now, this, this isn't a nice little wake up. Oh, honey, wake up. This is urgency. This is an urgency for you to understand, hey, you're about to die. There is a cliff out there. You're about to go off it, and you've got to remember these things. You've got to wake up, and it says strengthen. That means to stand firm. That means that we are to get back into it. That means we're going to get grounded, get strong again. But the church was a church that was weak and coasting. They were coasting on their past successes. It's kind of like the town of Sardis. You know, the town of Sardis, it was, it was strategically um, placed at the top of a mountain. It was up on this mountain, and there was one road in. And it was said to be an impregnable city because it was so steep to get into it that they say oh, a child could defend Sardis. But in 549 A.D., King Cyrus, the media, Median, he had attacked the city. And so the king of Sardis went in there, barricaded himself in the city, and went to bed. And he goes, they ain't getting in this place. You know what they did? Median soldiers scaled a place that they weren't looking. The centuries were, were falling asleep. 
They were thinking nothing's going to get us, and they took the city. They destroyed it. But you know what? They didn't learn. In 218 B.C., Antioch the Great did the exact same thing, and he sent Cretan soldiers up, and the centuries were asleep because they thought, nah, no one's going to come in, and it happened again. How many churches in America or even in our town are big but empty? Because they're asleep. Because they're resting on their past successes. They have all the seats, but no one's in them. They aren't active. They aren't about the ministry that is set before him, and they've been overtaken. And the church of Sardis was ready to be overtaken. And Jesus says, wake up. Look what he says here in verse 3. In verse 3 it says this, So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. See, he's saying to the church, you know what? What have you received? Redemption, wisdom, salvation. What have you received? Sanctification. Now, what have you heard? The gospel message. And we are to be about the gospel message. We are to be about those people who do good deeds and represent Jesus. We know that. And that's what the church was to be about. And if we're not, what are we to do? Repent. That's what Jesus is saying here. You've got to repent of it. And a lot of Christians, we, we are sitting back and going, ah, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. Because we're just going about the motions. Much like the church of Sardis. And we've got to remind ourselves, the gospel of Jesus Christ is about life change. Man, think of that. It's about total life change. It's not about you sitting back and keep doing what you've always done. There needs to be a change of heart, a change of direction. That's what repentance is, and that is what we're called to do because you are new. If you have the wisdom of God, if you have the righteousness of God, if you have the, uh, the redemption of God, the sanctification of God, you're new because that means Jesus is in you. Let me remind you, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away, and behold, the new things have come. The old things, your way of doing it, your way of living for yourself, you now have Jesus in you that you are to show in and through your body. See, now you're new. The call of the Christian is not the call of the world. We are called to do something. See, the church of Sardis, they weren't about newness. They were about compromise. They were about letting the world dictate their safety. This isn't the way to grow a church. This isn't the way to make an impact. Look at verse 2, the latter part of verse 2 now. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. See, he's saying to the church, you're not finished. You've got your deeds, but the deeds aren't completed if they're not coupled with Jesus. The deeds are not completed if Jesus is not in them. Your life is not completed. And he's saying, you have opportunity. That's what I love about this. It's like, it's not too late to get going. It's not too late for the church to step up. It's not too late for us. And we've got to remind ourselves what we're here for. Let's go to Colossians. I'm going to go to Colossians 1 now. In Colossians 1, in verses 27 and 28, listen to this. To whom God willed to make known that what 
is the riches of the glory of the mystery among the Gentiles. He, what is it? What are the riches? Which is Christ in you, the hope and the glory. See, your job is to make known. He wanted to show you the mystery, Christ in you. And church, this is our job as a church. Our job is to help you. Look at verse 28. To proclaim him, admonishing every man, teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man complete in Christ. See, we here are to equip you. So often the church has taken the role as the person that does all the work. So they get the programs, they get the speakers, they get to feel good, and they come on in. And, and you know what? That's not a way to grow the church because what are you doing? You're, you're not growing people. You're not equipping people to get out there and to show them, the world, the world who we are. We've got to remind ourselves who we are. Look at verse 3 now. Go back to verse 3 of Roman, or Revelation 3. It says, therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. He says, if you don't, this is the warning. I'm going to come for you. This isn't the second coming. This isn't the rapture of the church. This is Christ's judgment upon the church, upon the individual. That's why I said, you see all these churches. Laura and I served at a church that, that was massive. It sat hundreds, 550 people. But there was just a remnant because they didn't wake up. They didn't wake up, and we see what happened. They weren't effective. They weren't the people God wanted them to be. They went along with them, with the world. I mean, think about it. The church of Sardis, why would they compromise? Why would they not want to proclaim? Why were they not? Because I'll tell you, number one, it's easy. See, the Jews wouldn't persecute them if they didn't mention Jesus. You know, and then they could fly under the radar with the Romans because you know why? They, they, they were just a Jewish sect. And so they weren't persecuted by Rome. They went along, and it played it easy, and they played it safe, and they were ineffective. And so, church, we've got to guard it because we have to understand that our souls and our lives matter here. See, it, I will tell you, exhibiting Jesus guards my life and soul. See, if you're busy exhibiting Jesus, your life is going to be a lot more strong. Your walk with God is going to be stronger, and falling is not going to be as easy as it was when you were coasting. See, if you're out there and you're striving to get to Jesus and, and to experience him and have him live through you, what's going to happen? You're going to be like, hey, I, I don't want to go there. But if you're slacking off, you're going to roll down that hill backwards and hit something. And that's where we don't want to be. But not only that, your soul. Because I know if you walk away from God, it's really hard because you're questioning your salvation. Go, am I truly saved? I don't remember. I don't have the joy of the Lord in me. But it guards you. It gives you assurance of where you stand with him. Let's look at verses 4 and 5 now. It says, but you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me 
in white, for they are worthy. And he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now we look at these verses, we know, okay, he who overcomes. That means he who is saved. He who has experienced God's wisdom. He who has experienced God's redemption. He who has experienced his sanctification. He who has experienced who Christ is and his righteousness where Jesus lives in them. He who overcomes. And we see this, and a lot of people go, what, I can lose my salvation? No, it doesn't say you're going to lose your salvation. It doesn't say you're going to get blotted out. It says, he who overcomes is saved. And I'll tell you, if you're a person who has overcome, you're going to be wanting to strive for Jesus. You're going to be wanting to live for him. And the question is, if you're not, you're going, am I saved? See, you're wondering about your salvation. That happens to people. And that's a terrible place to go as a guessing game. We're wondering where we're at. It's said that in the Christian church in America, the evangelical churches, it said 50% is expected to be saved. Some pastors think it's less. It's why? Because there's a lot of coasting going on. There's a lot of people that came in and they said a prayer and they, there's no life change. There's a lot of people that come in and say, you know, I can't get there from here. You're right. I'll stay right here. There's a lot of people that are saying there's an opportunity in front of me, but you know what? I don't want to go there because that's uncomfortable. Laura and I served at a church, too, where a man had gone to the church for seven years and finally accepted the Lord. You know where he heard about the, the, the word of God? From someone outside the church. That's sad. We didn't want to stay at that church any longer. They weren't effective. They had all the bells and whistles. They had all the people, but they weren't effective. Church, we've got to understand what the gospel is. In Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, what does that mean? He's the one in charge. He's the master. He's the one who calls the shots. He's the one that is now going to steer your life. And you confess and go, yes, confess is I agree with you, God, my life is yours. Sometimes we stumble. We talk about that a lot, but that's not where you live because we see that we confess it and then we believe in our heart, in our essence of who we are, that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. For if the heart of a person believes, resulting in righteousness and the mouth confesses resulting in salvation that means jesus enters you you're wondering i don't know if he's entered me where are you at maybe he has entered maybe your name is not in the book of life that is why we are vigilant that is why we are people of action but that is why we are people that going hey what's my soul is it truly guarded See, that's where we go back to God and we say, God, where are you in this? I want that personal assurance. And I tell you, it takes work. It's hard. And I know there are times in our lives where it's going to ebb and flow. I get it. But we need to be men and women that are seeking him. So I'm going to challenge you this week. I'm going to ask you to take a step. I'm going to ask you to take a step in your relationship with God. Take one, st one, one step forward in faith exhibiting Jesus this week. 
One step. It says once, but it's one. What's one step? And you know what? You probably already know. You probably already know. A woman last service, she came to the church first time. And I, and I was introduced to her in the hall, and she goes, I know. My, my, my uncle Ed just went into hospice. I need to talk to him. I can't be afraid anymore. Do you know what you need to do? The other thing is maybe you need to pray. See, I believe God speaks through other people. Sometimes he speaks through a pastor. Sometimes he speaks through others. I was praying the same prayer for me this last week. I go, God, what, what is this you want? And I had an idea, and I was like, okay, can you affirm that? And, of course, Laura brings it up. I love her. <laughs> it's hard. But he speaks through others. He also speaks through Christian periodicals. He speaks through his word as you're reading it. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. And I tell you, maybe, you know, you don't know what to do. If you ask, this is something he wants you to do. He's going to show you. But we need to be men and women who take steps for Jesus. And as the worship team comes forward, we're going to sing one last song before we go. I pray that you would connect with God at a deeper level. I pray that you would take, you would take steps with him. Because many of us, we aren't looking at our confession of Jesus is real as Lord. We are looking at him as kind of a token. See, we are to let the world see God in and through your body. We are here to be men and women of action. As it says in Revelation 3.6, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What is God saying to you? Let's pray. Lord God, Lord, we have opportunity to live for you now. We have opportunity to give you glory right now. And that means relinquishing control and saying, okay, God, what areas do you want me to be vigilant in and step up in for you, God? I pray, God, that we would not be a dead people, a dead church, but we would be vibrant. Our deeds that would match and be coupled with the name of Jesus. Oh, God. And I pray for those that don't know you right now, Lord, that they would say, Jesus, I need you. I agree with you that you are Lord, and I make you mine. Please save me from my sin. Oh, God, you know our hearts. Let us be vigilant for you. In Jesus' name.